everybody to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh, and we are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you give us a follow on Twitter at PredictorHQ. Once again, on Twitter at PredictorHQ. On today's episode, our guest is Joey Odessa, uh, one of the legends in the sports uh, bookmaking game out there, uh, does a great job out there with MMA and boxing. You can find his work on Twitter at MMA odds and also check out his website, odessa.com. Joey, thanks for joining us. Hey, what's happening today, Al? Ah, doing great. Doing great. All right. So I know you've got a long and illustrious career, uh, through sports betting. So can you just give us a, a brief background uh, on your journey? You know, some of the different companies and uh, different roles that you've worked in. Well, it's uh, it's been anything but brief. It's been like the last 30 years. I'm 50 now, and I spent the last 20 years offshore. But uh, going back to the 90s, the mid-90s when I was in New York, I, I kind of got a knack for betting the fights. And uh, when I went offshore in 99, it carried over. Um, I'll give you a little background. I went offshore in 1999. In fall of 1999, I had a 90-day return ticket and $3,000. Didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> Had no job lined up, didn't know anybody in Costa Rica in the industry. I'd bet offshore in Antigua with the old WWTS, and that's where I bet through a lot of the New York offices back in the day. Some bigger names, most of them are, are I imagine, are deceased by now. But I started off, uh, you know, I, I went down there and I just, I hung around in the casino. I hung around in the uh, in the Colonial Casino Sportsbook for, gosh, two, three months just waiting for somebody to talk to me, somebody that was in the industry. I just tried to network as best I could um, and didn't do a very good job of it. And eventually someone had, had sat down with me and we sweated a couple of games and, and uh, we went out that night and uh, he introduced me to a woman whose husband ran a book there. And she said, look, show up on Monday. And now I was, I mean, I was, I was running on fumes. I mean, I was real, I was upside down empty. And she said, show up at the office on Monday and I'll give you a job. So I showed up on Monday and, uh, you know, I knew that I knew, you know, sports betting pretty well. And I was able to give rundowns and things like that on the phone. So she put me in the clerk's chair and I answered phones. And, you know, at the end of my first shift, she's like, well, you did good. You know, we're going to move you up to the front, the front row where all the wise guys would bet. And uh, and we're going to pay you thirty dollars a shift. Oh boy. Yeah, 1999. So <laughs> it's all right, though. You know what? I wasn't, you know, I was keeping myself from being homeless. So I worked up there. I worked as many shifts as I could. And, um, you know, before you knew it, after that Super Bowl in 2000, that game landed seven, I believe. And uh, the, the book I carried out pretty good. And the people that were on the stage didn't show up quite like they were supposed to. And I got elevated to the stage. Nice. And, you know, I, in the process, I mean, I learned a lot. Um, you know, I learned how to lose, you know, and I, I learned how to not move off the three on uh, Monday night games and things like that. But regardless, you know, I always had a, a thing, you know, getting back. I always had a thing for the fights. And uh, anyways, I'm on stage there and I, I got hooked up with a guy in New York that I knew that had bet with uh, Antigua that uh, that I knew pretty good. He said, look, he said, uh, there's a guy. From, and this is kind of complicated. I want to keep the timeline, right? Sure. He said, there's a guy from Nassau in the Bahamas. It's got just just dump trucks of money. He wants to open a sports book in Belize. Now, I couldn't have spotted Belize on a map. I said, all right. Don't worry. Me, uh, I, I still can't spot it. Don't worry. <laughs> I hear you. 
So I, you know, a guy said, look, you know, why don't you go over there and check it out and, you know, see what you can get out of it. So I went to Belize and I checked it out and I met with the guy and we're pretty, you know, set on opening up a sports book on the uh, Data Pro compound. Uh, Data Pro at the time, this guy Godfrey had this big vision of how Belize was going to be the next frontier for sports books. So anyway, I'd gone back and forth to Costa Rica a few times. And when I was in Costa Rica, you know, I went back to that shop that I had been at. And this is probably in two, this is 2000. And uh, I'm, I'm sitting there with a buddy of mine on stage late night. And uh, there was a UFC on TV. And a guy comes in, a Cuban guy who I, I had known. He was a professional better. And he was, you know, I, I worshipped him. I mean, at the time I was 30 years old. But uh, he was probably about five years younger than me. And he had money and he was just rocking it. I mean, he, he had a, his, an office in the building. Uh, we were in the building. Some of the sports books that were there. I mean, Five Dimes was in the same building. It was in San Pedro in Costa Rica, uh, not far from the mall San Pedro. Okay. So anyways, he comes in and the UFC is uh, on TV. And he says, you know anything? You know, I'm watching it. And he says, you know anything about this stuff? And I said, yeah, a little bit, you know. He said, well, who do you think is going to win these fights? And I, you know, I told him who I thought would win. I gave him like four, four or five fighters. And he's like, uh, he's like, hey, you're crazy. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, this guy's a dog. That guy's a dog. I said, well, look, I don't care. Crazy or not. I think, that, you know, I think these guys are going to win. And I said, you know, can you bet him? He's like, yeah, I got a spot. We can bet him. And he just left. <laughs> so anyways, I'm hanging out with my buddy, waiting for him to get off. He got off at like, I guess, 1 a.m. UFC was over with. And, uh. This Cuban guy comes back and, and he hands me 500, you know, he hands me a nickel. He says, from now on, he says, don't tell anybody who you like with me. He said, don't post anything in these forums, because I had been posting the boxing in the forums a good bit. Okay. I mean, he knew who I was before he walked in. And, and I, I was doing really well with the boxing. So he said, don't give anybody else these sides except me and don't post unless they tell you to. He goes, I'm going to put you on a free roll. I said, all right, you know, and he, he said, I see, you know, 10% free roll of everything that they bet. I said, ah, what the hell, you know, it's extra money. So anyway, I mean, I end up going to, uh, I end up going to Belize and things didn't work out with the guy from the Bahamas. He turned out to be a flake. And, uh, and I ended up meeting somebody there working with them and going to Curacao, which is off the coast of Venezuela, uh, ABC Islands, a route. Well, they call them the ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, and, and Curacao. So here I am in Curacao. Uh, I wasn't really happy. I'm not a fan of islands. I'll get to that later. But, uh, <laughs> but God, I, I just, I couldn't lose. When I say I couldn't lose, I mean, I was just crushing the boxing. Um, you know, this was, 2000, this was 2001. I mean, uh, Mayweather Corrales, uh, Delahoy just mopped the floor with Gaddy. Uh, Prince Nazim, Hamed, and Barrera. I mean, these are just a few fights that, you know, I capitalized on at the time. And we're leading up to uh, to the fall, you know, September of uh, 2011. And we wouldn't know what happened in 2011. You know, 9-11 was a horrible day. Sure. But the, sure. the Trinidad Hopkins fight was on the, um, it was scheduled for that weekend, I guess, uh, the 15th. And uh, what happened was they, you know, they pushed it back to September 29th. Well, at the time, my free roll got pretty, my free roll got nice. And here I am, I'm in Curacao. I just, I couldn't stand it. You know, it was just too hot. And there's a little bit of a Euro flavor too. It was just nothing to do. So, I, you know, I, like a fool, I said, and I said, this, this Hopkins can't beat Tito. This old man's not going to, not going to beat Tito Trinidad, especially after 9 11. You know, I think they had the Puerto Rico Day Parade or something going on in New York <laughs> or it was scheduled. I mean, I just, 
I had in my mind, I had every reason to think that, that uh, Tito was going to crush him. And Tito was about a four to one favorite. So as the fight approached, you know, the, the Cuban asked me, he said, how much you like this guy? I said, well, so I'll tell you what. I said, how much do I got left in my, you know, how much do I got in my pre-roll? About 40,000. You know, and that was 10% of what they were supposedly making, which meant they probably made millions and, you know, yeah. 40,000 was a, you know, just, but I'm happy. And I said, well, I want to get that, you know, I want to get that not over 50. So I went and uh, I said, put it all on Tito. And I laid at like minus 385 to win 10,500. Would have put me at like 50,500 50, had I won. And, uh, and he got his ass kicked. <laughs> and I was crushed. I was just crushed. I mean, I, was, I, was, I just couldn't believe that I did that because it took me, I mean, I, a year ago, I'm working for $30 a shift. You know, eight shifts a week, two hundred forty dollars a week, sweeping on, on, uh, on sheetrock beds. I mean, in the worst part of Costa Rica that I could possibly live. And now I'm in Curacao. I got all this money, you know, not in hand because I probably would have made a different decision or choice had that been. And uh, and I blew it. So, anyways, my travels took me. Uh, I stayed with the the guy I was working with in Curacao, and we moved the office back to Costa Rica. Now this is uh. This is between, I would say, two, well, after 9-11 and before 2003. So I'm still betting the fights. And, and granted, I, you know, I took a bath with that Tito fight, but I, I start rolling again. Um, you know, I just, I remember a lot of dates by fight times and who fought who. So anyway, 2000, uh, 2003 rolls around and I get this phone call at the office and he says, hi, this is Joey Odessa. I said, yes, Joey Odessa. He said, uh, you're killing me with these fights. I said, what? He said, you guys are beating my brains in with these fights. I said, who's this? He says, this is Spiro. He's calling me from Jamaica. I said, really? I said, uh, and? You know, I was cocky. I was an asshole. So I said, and? He's like, well, why don't you fly down here and talk to me? And maybe we can make a deal. So I was bored and I was younger. And I said, ah, what the hell? You know, Jamaica, Jamaica's for lovers. Maybe I'll go there and, you know, meet some, you know, meet Howie Berry or something. That's just no such luck. Not even, I mean. Can't even tell you. Anyways, I go to Jamaica and uh, and I, I meet Spiro, super guy. Learned a whole lot from him. Um, had a little bit of a run there. That was after the Gaddy Ward, the first Gaddy Ward fight. Um, you know, we we're on the wrong side. To, I was on the wrong side of those. But we caught some we caught some money when Mayorga, uh, Nicaraguan guy, beat uh, Vernon Forrest, and uh, you know Lennox Lewis beat Vitaly Klitschko. It was a good. You know, it was an all right year. Nice. So, uh, but but I couldn't stand islands. I mean, here I am again on a. On a beautiful island, it's beautiful until you leave the resort, you know, until you leave Spiro's compound. I mean, once you walk outside of there, it's just, uh, you know, it's like Beirut. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I was, it was dangerous. And I wasn't, you know, I wasn't one to be intimidated, but, you know, nobody's bulletproof. So anyways, I, uh, you know, I, I, leave, I leave Jamaica and go back to Costa Rica. And uh, when I get back to Costa Rica, a couple of big, you know, real big sports books came calling on. Uh, you know, the sportsbook.com property, you know, uh, group. Who else? Uh, well, Pinnacle called right after that. And I, I started working, doing some work with Pinnacle for about five years till 2009. Sportsbook.com I continued with until 2018. But uh, Bodog and Bavada, after they hemorrhaged money on Bodog fight, they brought me in, turned that around 100% growth. I mean, we rocked it. I started making my own prices. And and don't get me wrong, I went through a learning curve in 2004, you know, 2003. I realized like that spotting a bad number is a better, and making a good number, 
were two entirely different things. And it was a lot easier to spot one bad price on a wagering menu to hammer than it was to make like 12 good prices. Mm. And uh, yeah, so, but it, oh, in the process of that, you know, it had to be around 2002, um, MVP Sportsbook, they were putting up UFC stuff. That's who was booking that UFC stuff. Mm-hmm. But they, they hit a hiccup when uh, Mirko Prokop and Vanderlei Silva, they fought to a draw. And they put up a draw line at 15 to 1, but it was a modified rules where if nobody got knocked out, the fight would end in the draw. They took it back. Okay. And uh, they cut back on their offerings, which gave me a great opportunity to offer my own stuff. I mean, I, that, when I went with Spiro, when I went to Jamaica, I started offering all UFC stuff, boxing stuff. I mean, that's when the UFC took off. Before, it was just pretty, pretty much boxing, you know, but the UFC was five or ten events a year until 2005. And then it like started doubling every three years. So I spent the rest of my time in Costa Rica working, like I said, sportsbook.com, Bulldog. Did some work with Hollywood before they sold to a sportsbook.com group. You know, Spiro, my relationship with Spiro ran out. Um, You know, he did his own thing. We went separate ways, you know, when I got back and I didn't work remotely with him anymore, you know, through remote access. And that, you know, that about sums it up. I mean, that was the uh, end. You know, I just, uh, over the years, I just... uh, Created, charted, managed uh, fight lines. And there was plenty of them. I mean, fighting is a 52-week season. And, you know, and I took advantage of all 52. I mean, I found my niche in the market. You know, and I, I, you know, I I didn't want to sleep on cardboard, you know, on sheetrock beds anymore. I mean, I was way past that stage. You know, I'm living in, you know, a million-dollar house in Carrieri and on the golf course with, you know, with all the, you know, the the high rollers. I mean, I was doing, uh, I did well. You know, fighting and, and uh, you know, boxing, making, creating numbers and, and beating the market, betting and uh, and booking was, was really, really, you know, it was good to me. Nice. So I'm, I'm glad to have a fellow uh, East Coaster on the podcast, typically going with a lot of uh, Vegas guys on these. But uh, what part of New York you're from? Uh, downstate Catskills, close enough to the city to get in trouble, but far enough away to kind of relax a little bit when i needed to gotcha gotcha all right i'm in jersey myself up uh up in jersey city so okay off 17 yeah yeah, yeah not too bad uh all right so i i know you already talked about you know how much you hated living offshore but like any funny stories from out in belize or uh costa rica anywhere over there i i mean i i know listen offshore gave me an opportunity that i never would have gotten in my life i mean i went offshore you know three thousand you know you could call it broke Right. You know, by the time I got my first job, I was broke and I was working for, you know, broke slave wages. Uh, so I love Costa Rica. Costa Rica was a lot of fun. It was really good to me. I mean, I got married there in 2004. I got two great kids. Um, you know, I had all my fun before 2004 hopping around between, well, not so much on Jamaica and Jamaica, but, you know, and uh, well, I would say not so much, not so much on any of those islands. Costa Rica, you know, Costa Rica by far, uh, I believe is, is the best, uh, best place to live. As far as offshore, as far as the places I've been. Nice. So you just wish that they had better betting then, you know? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Costa Rica, <laughs> you know, the, the thing is they have, uh, you know, there's probably, uh, you know, gosh, there was, I mean, there's thousands, you know, there's probably a thousand sports book skins up, you know, with different offices within uh, five miles of where I live. I mean, it's a sports, it's probably, you know, I would say it's a sports book capital of the Americas for sure. Yeah. Oh, you know, I- they, I was talking about the uh, the better. I should not be, not betting. I meant betting as in sleeping on things, but <laughs> but uh, same thing. 
Yeah, no, Costa Rica was, you know, Costa Rica was good. And there's, you know, I don't think somebody could go there now and do and pull off what I pulled off. I mean, timing, you know, the timing was right. You know, my circumstances were right. I think had I gone to Costa Rica, you know, with a, a knapsack full of money, I, I things probably would have turned out different because I would have been lazy and I wouldn't have been as ambitious, you know, and determined to get, you know, to find my place in the, in the sports betting world. Sure. All right. So, you know, we've talked about it a lot already, but, you know, MMA, boxing, that's typically, you know, your wheelhouse right there. Uh, how do you how do you go that route uh, as opposed to, you know, most guys who go at like football, basketball or baseball? Well, it was something that I, you know, I'd grown up wrestling. I'd wrestled since, you know, I was old enough to really be on the mat through high school and college. And uh, and I'd been around a lot of fighters. I mean, the Catskills, I mean, look, there's Mike Tyson, Tracy Patterson, Billy Costello. And these are, you know, guys from the 80s that, that were rocking. Uh, you know, the 19, you know, the 80s and 90s, you know, I worked in New York when I was uh, when I was in the Catskill area. I mean, I worked at clubs, you know, adult clubs. And uh, there were only, you know, a few things to do in adult clubs, drink gamble and, and chase girls and uh you know i mean it was it was just instilled in me i mean the guys everybody gambled i mean they was it whether it was cards dice games uh and, and i would lose i would bet football and these guys would just you know they they you know they i get my buck kick betting football you know even betting in that you know i sure we we get uh you know we'd get find soft outs daily news outs post outs things like that but those numbers i mean they didn't always hold up the sharp numbers. I mean, in the long term, if you beat the number, you're going to win. But I was sporadic. I had no money management. You know, I'd go, I'd, I'd catch a 20 to one shot on like Michael Bent versus Tommy Morrison when he knocked him out. And, and then I turned around, I'd give it all back betting football. I mean, I just, you know, foolishly, um, I got off topic there. What, what, where were we headed with that? Uh, just like how, how MMA and boxing were more, more your strengths than, uh, you know, the football and the other sports. The traditional I, I, I could beat it. You know, I could beat it. I, you know, when guys were out there, you know, again, I'm not criticizing the odds makers that, that made numbers, but I just see things different. I, I saw fighters different. I saw fights different. You know, I understand, you know, I understand the plight of the fighter, the highs and the lows. I mean, I know what it was like to be broke. I know what it's like to get smashed in the face. You know, I know what it was like to lose. I know what it was like to win and, you know, and to have, you know, to have money and lose money. I mean, I just understood it. And that's, you know, that's what happens with a lot of these fighters. I mean, most of them die broke. They yeah. get beat up their whole life. They come from nothing. And, you know, and that I shared a similar story. I mean, I was not, uh, you know, I wasn't born into money. So I had to work hard and, to get what I wanted. And, and you know, this boxing, betting the boxing was an avenue. And it was an, uh, a market that people were really, uh, you know, it really got overlooked and underestimated. And when the UFC, I mean, when mixed martial arts came out, I mean, I remember people would say uh, one monstrous, one of the biggest handicappers in the world or touts in the world out in Vegas told me uh, in, in the early 2000s, like, man, he's like, don't don't quit your stage job to go to Jamaica. He's like, this UFC stuff's never going to be anything. He's like, it's like WWE. Hmm. It's a fad. It's going to wear off. You know, I left a pretty, pretty cushy job to go to Jamaica. And uh and he was wrong. And I'm so glad I didn't listen to him. And, and maybe that's where I get a little bit of my stubbornness from. You know, I kind of want to, you know, if I learned something, I learned it the hard way. Doesn't always turn out to be a bad thing. You know, hindsight, this worked out. Nice. Yeah. So, hey, some of the best bets you make are on yourself. So, 
Always good. Uh, all right, before we get into specifics of setting some odds up here for um, MMA and boxing matches, uh, I saw this great snippet about you on the Philly Godfather's website. Uh, so, you know, to quote, to quote the site, he says, uh, in, in reference to you, his goal used to be to create the most razor-sharp prices that generated two-way action and deal them to a global market. Now, he's focused on helping betters pick off bookmakers and take the eyes out of copies paste sports books and self-proclaimed price originators who contribute to the current betting markets. So I, I found it interesting. Um, you know, how, how do you, first of all, walk us through a process of creating, uh, you know, a, a line that, that benefits both, you know, the eye of the better and also the sports books. And after, you know, you do that, you know, can you explain, like, is it pretty easy for you to find these misnomers on the sports books? Or, you know, again, is that something that's always going to be a challenge for you? Well, it's always challenging. I mean, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, you know, as far as making the number, I mean, I, I won't put a number up on fighters I haven't seen fight. That means I'm not going to take two paper guys and just put them together. And I'm, remind me to tell you, I, I'll remember to tell you the Sanders story because this is, it's a, it's a good story. All right. Um, you know, I won't, I won't make paper prices. Like if I don't see a guy fight or I don't speak, I have like a handful of guys that I really trust that, that aren't, you know, looking at nickel dime and that, that understand that if they tell me something that's not accurate, it could, you know, it could end up costing me significant money. And, uh, so I try to watch everybody, you know, everybody's fights, a couple of fights before, uh, you know, if, I'm, if I were to put up a, a new guy in the UFC, I try to watch at least three fights, his previous three matchups. And granted, they might be against, you know, not that good of opposition. I would get a good feel for it where I could put a number up that I believe would generate two-way action. I mean, my goal is not, you know, it's not like a Super Bowl price where, you know, you want to make sure that you have the right favorite. I mean, sure. I want to have the right favorite and I could count, you know, on my hands and feet, how many times over the last 15 years, the favorite probably crossed over. doesn't happen much with me because I take, you know, I understand, I get what the betters looking at. I understand the guys that are looking at shopping for value. Um, I'm not a big fan of the word value. I hear guys use value. All the guys that lose money use value, the word value all the time. You know, uh, I always say that you don't see a guy jumping up and down in the sports book saying he just won a value bet. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't happen. But there, you see a whole bunch of them by the garbage can that lost value. Yeah. Bet, telling you, yep, yep. telling you how they were on the right side, how they had the better of the number and all that, whatever. You know, whatever with that. You know, I, <laughs> and I try not to dwell on losses or get too high off of, uh, you know, off of wins. I mean, I've had some big wins, some big losses. And, of course, the, the losses sting. But if you learn from them, you uh, – you know, you can advance pretty good. But anyways, uh, going back to making the, the best numbers I could, a lot of guys just make paper numbers. You know, they, they put up these polls sometimes, and it's funny because I don't know if I'm the only one that does, but every time I see a poll, uh, who will win this fight, Manny Pacquiao or Eric Morales, I always pick the guy that I think is going to lose. Because I know that these guys, these donkeys, are looking at these polls and putting a lot of weight on them, public opinion polls, when they make paper numbers. And when I say they make paper numbers, you know, they're looking, oh, well, geez, the, the public thinks this and the public thinks that. Well, not all the public is voting on these, you know, mm -hmm. voting on these matchups. And it's not always an indication of where the money's going to go. Um, you, know, some, you know, sometimes you get the wise guys and, and the squares on the same number. Um, and on the same, not on the same number, excuse me, on the same side. But not too often. Um, you know, and, and our goal, my goal is to, you know, obviously to win more than I lose. 
and catch these, you know, catch these guys speeding, you know, laying these big favorites. Hmm. Um, you know, there's no value in, you know, a live dog, you know, there's like 2004, I, you know, I, I, I got, you know, I had a tough time and I think it was July 2004 favorites just kept winning. Didn't matter how high I made them and everybody laid them. And, and as a better, I was betting the other side because I was like, well, there's value here. This number moved, you know, 50 cents, 100 cents off of what I opened it. Yeah, well, hmm. that didn't work out so well. Um, you know, you got to you gotta pick your spots. You can't bet every fight. And as far, you know, again, you know, making one number, you know, picking off a bad number. I mean, they're out there. But you can't get, you know, if these, if these guys at the counter or uh, the guys moving these numbers, the guys that on stage, they're paying attention. They know when a sharp guy comes in and they move off to that money, you know, and, and they might be lopsided, but they want to go in. You know, I, I tell you, you, you go broke going in the opposite side as I as I'm on. Yeah. You go opposite me, you go broke long term, without a doubt, because I'm out working these guys. I mean, 15, you know, 15 hour weeks. I mean, uh, days in Costa Rica. I mean, I just left no stone unturned, you know, and you, you go and you, you get all the information you can. At least I got, you know, there's more than one way to skin a cat, I imagine. There's other guys that have other methods. Right. But, uh, you know, there's no computer program where you can use data and stats and trends for boxing. I mean, no two fighters are the same. No two, no two fights are the same. The circumstances around two fights are not the same. It's not like, you know, football teams where, you know, they're going to play one game in one stadium and one game and, and you know, the, one team's going to be home and away each time. Right. It doesn't happen that way. These guys are traveling all over the world, all over the country and fighting at different venues under different circumstances. And you have to apply everything that's going on outside, you know, things outside the ring, things in training camp. I mean, you want to you want a better losing fighter, you know, ask his trainer if he can win. You know, that happens all the time. These guys are, oh, my guy's ready. You know, Freddie Roach, oh, man, he's going to knock him out. He's going to do this. When's the last time, man, he knocked somebody out? Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, you go upside down, betting those specific props, you know, cornering yourself in on it. Guys would say, well, you know, I, they'd say, who do you like in a fight? Well, geez, I like, uh, you know, I like Manny. Oh, well, he's minus 400. What do you think, by KO? Should I bet him by KO? No, you should just bet Manny. Why corner? Why put yourself in a predicament where you're, you know, you're cornering yourself with an exact outcome? Sure, it pays more. Sure, you may not have to lay as much. Now you're laying a dollar thirty instead of minus four hundred, but that's just not the way to do things. Yeah. So I, I had a question for Emmy. You kind of answered it already, but I, just to touch on maybe like college football or uh, college basketball, but uh, you know, kind of talking about these paper fights that, that as you called them, do you kind of feel like maybe? In, in some of those lesser-known conferences in college football or college basketball that some of these books really are making paper lines just based on the lesser-known conferences and not having all that information? Well, I mean, I can't speak on the guys that are making the number. I mean, I, you know, I could, I could talk about moving numbers, things like that. But as far as the original number, I don't know how much they're putting into it. But, like, if you were, say, like, the lesser-known fights, if you, you know, if you would – you know, equate that to saying, uh, okay, all right, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, we can come up with a number. We know Floyd's going to be favored, you know, whether he's minus a dollar eighty or minus 400, you know, that depends on the market and where it might push the number where we open. But uh, as far as lesser known fights, I think that's partly why I, why I had so much success because I made sure that those fights weren't lesser known to me. Mm. Like I, like I, I studied those guys. Like I put out, you know, I watched, I watched some guys fight that, they were just, you know, they were getting into the UFC that just weren't very good. 
you know, and, but I would watch all their fights and I'd watch their opposition. And, and I followed the NCAA wrestling and the Olympic wrestling. And I would watch these guys wrestle in college. I'd go back and find high school tapes of these guys wrestling to see if they had anything that resembled a ground game. Like I really, I left no stone un, unturned. And when I did, you know, if they, if they outworked me or they, you know, out-researched me and out-watched these fights more than me, then, then they deserve to win that money. But I, you know, I, the one thing I have is I, I had longevity. I mean, I went, you know, 18 years offshore and, and really had, you know, had, you know, I, I don't know how much handle we wrote on these fights, but I would say in excess of, I would say excess of 300 million. And you'd say, holy smokes, that's a lot of money to be on these fights. Well, it really wasn't that much because everybody I worked with had a hundred percent growth in their company, obviously, because if you don't offer it, they can't bet it and you're going to grow. You know, and and we I brought in you know these new these new options and they and you know and we wrote we wrote good handle on it and we won. Um, you know, so as far as lesser known fighters and yeah, I, I guess that you know you could find some some quote value there. Um, but the thing I was going to tell you about is back in um, Jesus, it was I, I don't know the exact year, but anyway, Vladimir Klitschko, he fought uh, Corey Sanders. And uh, there's and, and the funny thing about this, we talk about paper. There's two Corey Sanders, the Corey Sanders from South Africa that was a southpaw that could punch and knock down a house, and then there was another Corey Sanders that they couldn't fight a cold, and there, one was spelled C O R E Y, and the good, the better of the two was C O R I, C O R R I E, the South African Sanders, and uh, some of these books went and they put up. Uh, they they priced it as though he was, as though he was fighting you know Corey Sanders, <laughs> the the one from Washington D.C. Yeah. And granted, hindsight's always a hundred percent, right? But uh, but 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 Klitschko got stretched, <clears throat> and uh, and and the, and the price had moved. Like people said, well, geez, you know, the bookmakers hung a bad number, and all the wise guys identified it. And this, they hung a Corey Sanders number. At least I, you know, couple that I spoke to were under the impression it was you know it was the the, the Washington D.C. Sanders. And not the, uh, you know, not the good Sanders. But that's the kind of things we run into. I mean, I, I, I watch it happen all the time. People just don't know, man. They, you know, even betters. I mean, I, I think that if you, I think that betters don't know what to bet unless you tell them. Like they, people don't have their own opinions. They can't form their own opinions. And they don't have a lot to really base it on. So they want to go to somebody for reinforcement. Hence the talent industry. Now, granted, I do work with Philly Godfather. You know, friends with him. I put my plays on that site and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm not out there, you know, aggressively marketing anything like, you know, trying to get people to buy the picks, but those, those are the sites generally that I, that I'm on and it's a recent thing. And, uh, you know, I figure what the heck going into the U S market, why not? And, you know, why not get paid for it? Yeah, for sure. All right. So, uh, we are here with Joey Odessa. Uh, make sure you find him on Twitter at MMA odds and check out all of his great work there. So <clears throat> this is a uh, quite a unique opportunity that we have here on the podcast where we've got you, uh, up ahead of the Conor McGregor, uh, Cowboy Cerrone fight this weekend. Um, can you, you know, I guess as best you can, uh, you know, how, how do, how do the odds get drawn up in a fight like this, right? Like we haven't seen McGregor in quite some time in the octagon, uh, you know, going up against Cerrone. So as, as the, the odds maker for this one, how do you go about doing that? Well, you look at this fight and you, well, you look at, I mean, McGregor's past fights 
and you look at Cerrone's past fights, and and I mean these these guys, I mean they Floyd Mayweather fought, uh, you know, fought McGregor, and I like foolishly made another learning experience. I opened up Floyd twenty five to one. Okay. And we saw that fight got bet down to four to one, three minus three fifty at times. Yeah. Naturally, the wise guys were saying, "Wow, there was the gift of the century playing three fifty on Floyd." And you know, again, hindsight it was. And you know, going into that at twenty five to one, I mean, I'm looking at you know, I'm giving Floyd like a ninety six percent chance to win that fight. And uh, and then it gets bet down. People actually are thinking that Connor has a chance. And it, it's funny because uh, you know, that fight got bet down, but after. The third went in progress with that fight. Like after three rounds, they had Floyd at like pick him. The computer. But this is where this is where I go with my stats data thing. I mean, you are you kidding me? How do you how do you in what world is Floyd Mayweather a pick him with Conor McGregor? I don't care how many preview shows, how many nights out at you know at, at nightclubs Floyd's got the boxing ring, Floyd is every bit of a twenty five to one favorite over Conor McGregor. But this computer, these computer programs, these European programs, whatever that they, you know, that they were dealing these numbers with, were, you know, had had it near pick them at the end of the third round, you know, when Floyd was just getting warmed up. So going back, uh, you know, hindsight, you say, well, look, these guys, you know, they love betting Conor McGregor the same way people bet Oscar De La Hoya to beat Mosley both times, you know, and you know which Oscar lost. I mean, again, hindsight, right? But. So you know that they're going to come in on Connor. Uh, Cowboy, you know, he lost two of his last three fights. You know, he did beat a good uh, ally of Quinta. But, uh, you know, he got knocked out in his last two fights, Ferguson and uh, Gaethje, Dr. Stoppage and, and Punches. Now, granted, Connor hasn't fought that much, but this is, uh, you know, this, you know, and, and Khabib is a different fighter. Khabib beats them both again on the same night. I just watched the video of him fighting a bear as like a four-year-old. I, I will never bet against that guy. Yeah, I mean, I you know, again, I can't say I'd never bet against him, but right now there's nobody <laughs> that can beat him. Nobody at 155 is going to beat uh, Khabib, uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Um, so anyway, McGregor's coming off a loss to him, and then he had that hiccup with Diaz, which he avenged the loss back in 2016. Fort Mayweather, he's been a little bit inactive. And, and you know what, he's had some troubles outside the ring. You know, I see the comparisons between McGregor and T- Mike Tyson. And, you know, when... The thing, the thing there is when Tyson started really, you know, having his problems, you know, he's, he had the problems after, uh, you know, what fight was it there? Um, anyway, before Cliff Etienne fight, it was kind of a warm up fight, an in between fight, and Tyson went out there and, and smashed him. And this is what I, this is how I'm looking at this fight. I'm looking at it's kind of an in between fight for McGregor. I mean, if McGregor loses this fight, I think McGregor's done. I mean, his drawing power, I mean, it, it gets a little stale, it gets a little old, like. I, I don't watch preview shows. I mean, the, I say the preview shows are the kiss of death because they're trying to paint somebody as a better fighter than they are. And they're showing highlights and, you know, they're the best, you know, best, you know, they're trying to sell you on both guys and trying to make the fight look even. Uh, you know, again, drawing back to boxing, uh, you know, Hat and Mayweather. I always use Floyd as an example because they've been betting against Floyd 51 fights. Well, 45 of his 51 fights or whatever. And, and they've all lost betting against them. So now we have McGregor in a position where he, you know, he really, this is it for him. In my opinion, this is it for McGregor. He's got to win this. Cerrone's stepping up. He's kind of a, you know, he's kind of at a crossroads in his career. Sure, he's got some more good fights left on him, you know, in him. If he beats McGregor, he's probably going to make a good bit more money. So you'd want to say, well, Cerrone, you know, this is everything for Cerrone. He's got no pressure. He's going to go out there and hang loose. Look, 
the bottom line is McGregor needs to go out there, put his foot on the gas. If McGregor goes out there and fights the way that he fought uh, Eddie Alvarez, the way that he fought Jose Aldo, the way that he fought Chad Mendes, he's going to beat Cowboy. If he goes out there, lacks a days ago, and, you know, kind of on his heels, he's going to get beat. You know, so, but at the same time, I mean, Cerrone, he's getting a little long in the tooth. He's what? He's 36 years old now. I think he's 36. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's got 13 losses. You know, he, he's uh, 36 and 13. So what's he, uh, he won, you know, you figure it, you know, the math of it. I mean, he's lost, what, a third of his bouts sure. that he's fought. So, I mean, losing is something, you know, losing is, I want to say losing is, is contagious as winning, but both guys lost their last fight. But the bottom line is, you know, the difference between McGregor and Tyson at this stage is McGregor's not broke yet. And McGregor hasn't abandoned everybody that helped him get to the best of my understanding. It hasn't abandoned everybody that helped him get where he's at now. They're two totally different dynamics. I mean, the end result, you know, I mean, it happens to a lot of fighters. They make a ton of money, then they nosedive. Tyson just happened to make, you know, a zillion dollars and, and blow it all and get himself arrested and in trouble. Uh, so anyway, back to the fight. I think that McGregor fa- should be favored in this fight. Uh, someone opened a minus $1.65 back in November. I would have laid $1.65 for as much as I could get down for. I probably would have laid $1.65. probably would have laid 200 two to one on this fight. But uh, it's getting up there to where the number is, is high enough to back you off. And that's what the, the object of the number is. It's to make both sides look appealing. You say, well, geez, you know, McGregor's going to smash Cerrone. But then when you sit when you attach that price tag, a minus 350, you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. Maybe there's, you know, maybe there's some value in Cerrone. I would say Cerrone's probably a live dog that won't win. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make me want to bet McGregor at this price. I think the fight probably moved too far. Interesting. So this is just more of a, an entertaining fight that we should all be watching here. I would say so. I mean, there's no, I mean, if McGregor wins, sure, he goes on and can fight for the BMF belt with Masvidal. I mean, they've been pumping it up at the press conferences, I guess. And, you know, I see on Twitter, they're talking about it. Maybe he's looking ahead. I mean, it has all the, uh, you know, it has a recipe for disaster. It really does. It has all the makings for an upset. But I don't know if Cowboy's the guy to do it. I just, you know, I, I, I see these guys, you know, they just, there doesn't seem to be as much intensity there, really, on either side. I'm sure that Connor's, you know, I heard he's going to make $80 million for this fight or something. Cowboy, wow. you know, Cowboy's going to make some money, but nothing, nothing, you know, not retirement kind of money. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you got to, you know, his motivation. I mean, good. He got, you know, he got this fight. And, you know, just like, uh, you know, just like Floyd, you fight Floyd, you walk in, you know, you walk in there well off, you walk out rich. And I don't know if Cerrone's going to walk out rich, but, you know, win or lose, He's going to make it a night, you know, probably more money than he's ever made in his career. And it's just another day in the office for McGregor. But uh, but at the same time, I said, you know, McGregor's he's not he's not broke, nah. you know, on his heels. So, I, you know, that Tyson comparison with Tyson, you know, lost to Danny Williams. And uh, geez, I can't remember the other guy he lost to there. But anyway, he lost two in a row. He quit on the stool in the eighth round. And, uh, you know, that's not, it's a different fighter, different yeah. mindset. Plus, McGregor got that proper number 12 money coming in, so. Yeah, he's got a lot going on. Um, <laughs> you know, he's, he's definitely all over the place. He's probably one of the most recognizable athletes, in, you know, in the world. Indeed, indeed. All right, so, Joey, we certainly thank you for your time today. But, of course, the, the one question, I love asking uh, all the uh, bookmakers and, you know, certainly sharps that we got out there in the industry if you had, if you could create the perfect sports book, what would that look like, and who would be your spokesperson? 
Wow. Well, naturally, I mean, I'd make it, I mean, it'd be beautiful. I mean, it, it, the chairs, the reclining chairs, the everything you could see, every sport on every TV, uh, you know, as far as a spokesperson, I mean, you know, again, I'm not a, I'm not a uh, interior designer, so I don't <laughs> really, you know, I, my vision, look, you just, you give me a computer monitor and a couple TVs, you could drop me off in, uh, you could drop me off in Afghanistan and I'm happy. Um, One but, of the few, but okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I hear you. I mean, but uh, as far as a spokesperson, I mean, if it had to be, you know, if I was, if I was, if I was looking for a person that would promote, say, boxing, or to get my, you know, get people in the door for boxing, I mean, who's more likable right now than Tyson Fury? Sure. Um, you know, MMA, it's it's tough to go through those guys. I mean, who's more dominant than uh, Khabib? But might have to, you know, if I want to really have a friend friendly guy that doesn't seem to have too many skeletons, I'd probably go with George St. Pierre. Or Daniel Cormier. Okay. Not bad, not bad. Both good choices. All right. All right. So uh, this was Joey Odessa, uh, one of the legends out there in the uh, MMA and boxing uh, odds-making game. Uh, make sure you find him on Twitter, at MMA Odds. Also, he's got a website you should check out as well, odessa.com. Joey, thanks for coming on. Any, uh, any closing thoughts for uh, this uh, weekend's fight between McGregor and Cerrone? No, just, you know, thanks for having me on. There's a couple good undercard fights again. Um, ah, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm looking at this undercard. Okay. I like, uh, I like some of these undercard fighters. Good women's fight on there. Colombian girl against JJ Aldrich should turn out pretty good. Some closer, more tightly, uh, tightly priced fights. Uh, Stipe Miosic's, uh, I guess, protege, Alexa Kamor is fighting uh, Justin with that. I, I think that uh, Kamor is pretty good. And uh, he'll get my money this week. We'll see what happens. All right. All right. I'll be checking out those for sure. Also, you guys check out sportspredictor.com. All the great handicappers that we got on there. Uh, Tonight, we've got another episode coming up with Chris Dawson, who uh, will be breaking down NFL Conference Championship weekend. Uh, Since we only got two games on that slate, we're going to be breaking down a lot of prop bets as well. So make sure you check that out before the Chiefs uh, and the Titans and the 49ers and the Packers hit the field this weekend. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.